This is an irreverent podcast. Check out irreverent.fm for shows from all our friends. Good to you see. Hello and welcome to Exvangelical, a show exploring the world inside and outside the evangelical subculture. I'm your host, Blake Chastain. My guest this week is Stephanie Drury. Stephanie is best known for her website and Facebook group, Stuff Christian Culture Likes. On the blog, she uses sardonic wit to highlight the common, odd, and damaging trappings of evangelicalism, while also disarming them with humor. She's now the administrator of a Facebook group of the same name, where she's made space for people to express themselves honestly about, well, basically all of this. She's also a solid follow on Twitter and ran the fake Driscoll parody account of disgraced Mars Hill leader, Mark Driscoll. We talk about her youth and the event that led up to her leaving evangelicalism, as well as the pain associated with church despite having a deep desire for connection. It's a great conversation. I've added links to all her outlets online in the show notes, and I encourage you to look her up. As always, you can follow me on Twitter at BRChastain and the show across the web on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at ExvangelicalPod. You can also find more on the website, ExvangelicalPodcast.com. Please rate and review the show on iTunes and tell others about the show. If they're re- religiously disaffected at all, particularly by Christianity, I'm sure they'll find an episode they can relate to. You can also contact the show via email at contact at ExvangelicalPodcast.com. And finally, you can support the show via Patreon at patreon.com slash exvangelicalpod. All right, let's get into it. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Exvangelical. This week I have with me as my guest uh, Stephanie Drury, who uh, has been active on Twitter and online for a long time uh, through her website, uh, Stuff Christian Culture Likes, uh, Twitter handle of the same, and also as uh, Fake Driscoll. I'm really happy to have her and uh, and have a conversation with her. Welcome to the show, Stephanie. Hi, thanks for having me. Thank you. I really appreciate it. Glad we could. Um, I'm glad we could make this work. So, generally, kind of how we sort of start things out is just uh, sort of talking about you know where you're from and what what your background is. So where did you grow up? What part of the state? Did you grow up in the States? I Yes, I did. I grew up in Arkansas, mostly. I was born in Fort Collins, Colorado, because my parents are with the Navigators. Are you oh, okay. familiar with them? Uh, I had, a, yeah, I had a friend that, uh, at one point I worked at a Lifeway Christian bookstore, and I had a friend oh. <laughs> that uh, his parents were part of the Navigators, yeah. Oh, okay. Okay, yeah, that's like it's a missionary, basically missionary organization that we were only in the states, but um, their headquarters was in Colorado, is in Colorado Springs, and um, so I was born over there, and we lived in Oklahoma, and then I went to starting from third grade till when I graduated high school was in Fayetteville, Arkansas. Okay, so that's kind of where I grew up. Then I finished college in Texas. Okay, but um, yeah, Navkid is how. So and my uh, dad isn't my dad's an ordained Southern Baptist pastor. Okay. So the you know I just breathed all that from <laughs> the moment of conception. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm not really um I I'm not all that familiar with navigators. I know that they are they can be active on like college campuses. They do a lot of recruitment. Mm-hmm. Um mm-hmm. but what are some of the hallmarks of the navigators and the, the as a group? You know, when I think of them, I just think 
maybe this is my perspective, but I just think straight up evangelical American, you know, North American evangelicalism, non-denominational, mm-hmm. but kind of favoring Baptist and, and churches that have the word grace in the title, <laughs> you know, um, but they were, they're kind of a sister group to Campus Crusade. Oh, okay. I think that they were both formed, kind of started by the same guy. We actually, my, the first dog my family had was named after Dawson Trotman, the founder of the Navigators. So <laughs> it's, you know, the more I look back on it, I'm like, oh my God, <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know what I was in, but did any of us, you know, so. Yeah. So you're a PK too. So. Oh yeah. Okay. Uh, so how was that? I'm, I'm married to a PK. Um, okay. I am too. <laughs> <laughs> so. Um, so I, I hear, you know, different elements of what it was like to be a PK, but it, I, I know that there's, I'm sure a lot of commonalities, but you know, each, each family is different. So what was, what, what did, how did that dynamic sort of affect your family? Were you at church all the time or? You know, we were only on, but I feel like we always were, we were always there on Sunday, but I, I, my best friend was church of Christ and, um, she was there Sunday morning. Sunday night and Wednesday night. And I felt like we were cooler because we didn't do all three days, you know, (laughs) (laughs) but my parents were having Bible studies at our house, like every night of the week, basically. So, okay. Like small groups and all that stuff, small groups. Yeah. Singing songs. And, um, I just, I thought that it was, I felt like there was something important to, you know, the predestination thing. It's kind of like, yeah, you know, we're chosen. I, I remember having that kind of sense because that's what we were told is you mm-hmm. know, we're kind of not the chosen race at all because <laughs> you, know, you wouldn't want to get down with Judaism, God forbid. So, um, <laughs> yeah, just that kind of cultish mentality of we're set aside. We're, we're better, essentially. We, we're in on something that no one else is. So, yeah, um, that was a definite thing growing up. I don't know if that's exclusive to being a PK or if all evangelicals or kind of grow up with that thinking yeah i i mean i i went to um i went to a united methodist church um but uh but it was in small town indiana so like Mm -hmm. there was some cultural things that that had a lot of similarities within within evangelicalism and everything like that but but yeah that that sort of sense that sort of sense of secure i don't know like eternal security i don't know (laughs) if you throw Mm -hmm, in some mm -hmm. uh some christianese there but um did you attend public school or did you go to a, a private Christian school or anything like that during, during, you know, elementary school or up to high school at all? We were completely public school. Oh, okay. Um, but our house had every Christmas, my dad would write happy birthday, Jesus on the roof and Christmas lights. <laughs> so <laughs> I might as well have been in Christian school. Cause everyone's like, Oh, that's your fucking house. You know, it was just the, the landmark and they're like, you guys are crazy. I'm like, eh, okay. <laughs> so is this, um, I'm sorry. What was the name of the town again? Um, Fayetteville, not, Arkansas. Okay. So what's the size yep. of Fayetteville? Like, uh, I'm, um, I'm pretty ignorant of the South. Um, so as far as like the deep South. No, I, I totally, I'm that way with all the States in the middle. Like the ones that start with I, they, I, I have no <laughs> idea, but, um, they all run together for me. Uh, Fayetteville, when I lived there is, I want to say it was like, 40 to 60,000, but the university of Arkansas is there. So it's, you know, college town. It was, it was liberal, Mm -hmm. you know, for, and it was in the Bible belt. So that was kind of a weird thing. And my parents, you know, viewed this as being like a mission, you know, it's like a liberal stomping ground and, you know, we've got to direct these college kids in the right direction. So, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, I grew up in uh, Crawfordsville, Indiana, which is a small town, and that's a similar sort of thing. It's uh, got, it's like maybe 16,000, but then it has mm-hmm. a uh, this liberal, uh, tiny little liberal school called Wabash uh, there. It's one of like three remaining all-male colleges in the country. Whoa. <laughs> yeah, but it was, wow. but you know, it's like this this tiny little holdout in a generally conservative place. Um, so, so that dynamic, um, I, I feel like that sort of dynamic could be familiar for a lot of people that didn't grow up in like a, a, a suburb or a city, um, yeah. that, that sort of experience. Um, did you have like a, a like an active youth group or, or that sort of thing, uh, at your church or how did, how did all of, all of that, like youth group culture and all those sorts of things that. Are, are really formative for people did that was that part of your upbringing too yeah well I would for some reason I I hated church and I really hated youth group and I think I only I was you know scream and cry I, every Wednesday night you know I was supposed to go to youth group and usually got out of it <laughs> but I remember one day I think they they coerced me or forced me somehow and I showed up and I was just pissed and and Elizabeth Carnahan, pet, she went to Shiloh, the Christian school, and she patted me on the head. She's like, we're glad you're here. And like, <laughs> I'll just always remember that as being like, Ugh, how do you people do this? Like, I, I just didn't I wasn't down with the enthusiasm. And um, and every time every Saturday night, I'd start getting sick. You know, I'd say, you know, oh, I can't make it to church in the morning. I, I feel too bad. And my parents are like, mm-hmm, you do this every single Saturday night. So mm-hmm. it never worked. I, I had to go. <laughs> Did what you, about you? Did you? Uh, I was I was a very willing participant. I was just like very, okay. um, very. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, and I was just very interested in sort of exploring um, hmm. that that part of life, and mm-hmm. I guess in in high school. Um, but but yeah, uh, like there was a very active, like, and it was the late nineties, mid late nineties, and like there was mm-hmm. a cultural moment. I remember it was on like on the cover of Newsweek once, like, you know, like the Jesus kids or something like that. And I'm sure it like covered like Cornerstone or something like that. Oh yeah. But, and like that whole phenomenon. Um, but for, yeah, for me, I was, I was like on the youth worship team and all those sorts of like weird overachieving church kid sort of set. Mm-hmm. I don't know. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, yeah. so that was that, I mean, I was, I felt like I was earnest, but, um, and I'm sure I was, uh, but, it, I was I was very much I don't know searching or, or whatever you want to call it. Um, for you, was it was there like a separate youth pastor in your church, or was it your was it your your dad leading the youth group? No, too? thank okay. God, it wasn't my dad. Because um, <laughs> that a would be a whole youth pastor. <laughs> okay, get this. Looking back on it, I'm like that guy. His name was Ken. I wish I could remember his last name. Was our youth group leader. He married a really young girl. And at the time it wasn't weird to me. And now I'm thinking she was 19. Like we knew that. And he married some 19 year old and he was in his thirties. Like, oh my gosh. <laughs> so, and, and you know, at the time we're like, yeah, cool. That's what you do, I guess. <laughs> and you're a pastor. You get some young, <laughs> pull some, some young, strange, I don't know. <laughs> so that, it's just like I was saying, these things are kind of falling together for me in the past few years. Like, Oh, that was normal. I didn't know that was weird. So. Right, right. 
did in your in your house was what did you have any sort of like media restrictions or anything going on like only Carmen and you know Michael W. Smith? <laughs> I can or... I still remember so many words to the oldest Carmen albums because my dad loved him. And there's some <laughs> live album that I know all the banter in between all the songs and all that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And my mom would say he is such a good guitar player. <laughs> Which he was, I guess, right? But and he knew um, how to wear some shoulder was, pads too, though. I mean, <laughs> oh yeah, those, the blazers and um, my cousin, my dad's cousin, I should say, was in First Call. He was Marty McCall in First Call, and that was like <laughs> the biggest deal because they sang back up for Sandy Patty. And so oh, wow. whenever you know there's a Sandy Patty concert nearby, my parents are like, oh, we got to go. And, and I did meet Carmen once backstage, and um. Yeah, I got I wish I could find the picture of that that we got. But there was we were not allowed to watch anything other than PG movies. Right. And I remember mm-hmm. renting Heather's. Um, so I graduated college and or college, graduated high school in 93. So I was in high school when Heather's had just come out. And I rented that so many times from Blockbuster. And my parents would get so mad each time and like not let me watch it. I just had to return it over and over without watching it because like this is rated R and that sort of thing. Like I'd hide tapes in my purse and like DJ Jazzy Jeff. I remember that one. Oh, yeah. I had to yeah. hide in my purse and I had like a clash tape I had to hide and. Um, you just think, and, oh, um, I remember I got the Allison Chains facelift CD. My mom was so pissed. Like she didn't talk to me for like a whole day, just, just by looking at the cover, you know, so that yeah. sort of thing, you know, we, we weren't allowed to, you know, the princess bride was great, except there's one line where he says, son of a bitch. And, um, right. you know, that was like, oh, he, like the family's all nervous leading up to that scene, you know, like, oh, he's going to say, I want my father back. You son of a bitch. And so that's, that was just like the anxiety that was like coding the room and yeah. know, we were all watching this movie that otherwise was great by their standards. It was, right. That was interesting. I'm sure you had that dynamic too. Yeah. My, well, my parents weren't, uh, my parents weren't like too, um, really too protective over, over media. Like, um, my parents grew up in Southern Indiana and, um, like sort of independent Christian, um, churches in rural Indiana. Um, Mm -hmm. and so like, as far as like media, they weren't, uh, totally protective. Like they, um, but like we did, I mean, it didn't have to be PG, but there was a lot of just making sure you were sort of like the right age, I guess. I don't know. But I do remember like my sister was five and a half years older than me. Um, mm-hmm. so I remember listening to like a mixtape of gin and juice, <laughs> yeah. like in the church parking lot with her. Uh, I'm thinking that was amazing. And like, uh, um, oh, there, there are definitely some other, some other like, uh, events like, uh, there's one on the tip of my tongue, but I can't remember. Somehow I got, I was able to buy like the Coolio's Gangsta's Paradise. Wow. I think it was just because the, the single was clean. Um, but I got the whole album. (laughs) Oh God. But I I just had to be really careful of (laughs) when when I played it. Cause yeah. uh, Yeah. God forbid. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, uh, but and again, like me being sort of like a willing participant, I ended up working in like a Christian bookstore in high school. That was my mm-hmm. part-time job. So I got real, uh, really inculcated into, into that whole scene. <laughs> yeah. Sort of on my I, own. I was, I was, I, I don't want to make it sound like I didn't believe all this stuff. Cause there was something about it that resonated for me, but sure. there was, 
I couldn't handle. So I wasn't one of these like secret atheists being like, I hate that. I hate my family. You know, I was, mm-hmm. I was kind of like, this is cheesy. Youth group is cheesy. And you know, these rules about not listening to certain music are kind of dumb, but I get where they're coming from. So that's kind of where I was with it at yeah. the time. Yeah. Yeah. I, I I think it's, yeah, I always think it's interesting to ask that question just because there are some people that it's sort of like you only had Christian stuff, like you were in that that Christian bubble like entirely. Uh, mm-hmm. And then some people that um that just sort of like work it into their like media diet, you know, and um mm-hmm. and sort of consume it um in addition to other stuff. Uh but but I yeah, I totally get that. I I get like uh even going to youth group a lot of times, you know, and it's it's cheesy. It's it's weird. It's like you're a teen and these these people are really trying to to get to you and talk to you <laughs> but but yeah it's it, i mean uh, yeah they were just trying so hard it's yeah. just like oh god like, like normal <laughs> people don't don't do this right because i had this element of being like there's something off with how hard they're trying right <laughs> and which is probably the it's still the basis of stuff christian culture likes is like if you have to try this hard you know, maybe you, y'all need to ask yourself some hard questions <laughs> rather than thinking about the people you're trying to convert, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So what happens after high school? Do you go on to college? Do you go on to Christian college? What's, uh, what's, what's next? I went to the university of Arkansas for a year and a half. And, um, I remember doing stuff with campus crusade there and I transferred to, Southwest Texas State University. I think it's called Texas State now, but um, that, I mean, there's state schools, but I was able to like, kind of, I I felt like I had to be involved with the Campus Crusade stuff or or have something there. Like I needed some tether because I was away from home, but you know, that I'd been warned so much like, oh, you got to be careful that the secular people won't lead you away. And, and so that was, I just remember like, that was when I first started kind of really dealing with depression is, mm. is when I was holding those two things and really having to feel, feel it all. Like, I feel like I've been taught this one thing, but my intuition is telling me no. So that's kind of how college was for me with all that. And I wouldn't say I lost my faith at all, but it was, everything was weird. Everything was kind of turned upside down during those years. Yeah. Um. I, 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 I went to a Christian college. I, I mentioned before we started recording, like I thought I wanted to be, a you know, a, 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 when I went, when I went into Christian college, I thought I was pursuing a, a ministry sort of angle. Uh, but I, I remember like the people that were transfers uh, and thinking like, Oh, they were at like a state school. What, you know, did they, did they party? Did they do these things that like yeah. regular kids do? Um, and like, I didn't even know how to, I didn't, I couldn't sort of, at the time, I, at least my couple, my first couple years um, into college, I couldn't really sort of uh, envision what that would sort of look like because, right. yeah, like a Christian college is, can be a lot of ways like a, an extension of like a youth group. <laughs> or oh like, God, it's like it's, one big sea of youth group with all yeah. the dorm rules and, right. and class rules and everything, yeah. So Dress for, codes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So for you, um being involved in the in the in this campus crusade stuff was it 
what what was the dynamic there? Did it feel like a like I don't like an us against them, or like you have to protect yourself from these yeah. things? Or... Well, yeah, they were into evangelizing, and I'm like, I'm not doing that. You know, they <laughs> wanted people to knock on doors, like uh uh-uh, uh uh, uh-uh. but you know, I I felt like it, you know, there's something about being near people who, you know, grew up in your own little culture, you sure. know, Christian culture. That's my first language. Dave Bazan always says that his, his language is evangelicalism. Right. He's like, he doesn't identify as a Christian anymore, but he's like that. Those are my people. So yeah, you know, it's that sort of thing. Yeah. And that's, that's totally true. Like whatever your first sort of experience is like, yeah, that has a huge impact on your worldview, even if you step away from it. Yeah. Um. So you said that you started really dealing with depression at the same time. Um. Do you was it this sort of feeling? This you mentioned it was sort of like you were intuiting that there was a disconnect between the things that you were experiencing and basically trying to adhere to the what you were brought up, how you were brought up. Um, how did that continue? How did that continue? Like what beyond, in addition to the depression, was there, was there like another way or were there questions that started bugging you at the time in college or afterwards? Yeah. I, um, I never drank in college because that's how I rebelled. I'm like, everyone drinks in college, especially PKs. So I'm not going to be that person. You know, that was my, that was my rebellious act. But I, I just remember like I had a couple of really bad breakups and not being able to get out of bed and being like, okay, God, you know, you failed me. And, you know, I feel like I've been lied to by these Christians. And, um, I, I was, I, I remember I had a boyfriend who couldn't believe that I thought it was okay to be a Republican. And that was kind of the, cause I'd been raised right with these in the Republican belt. Mm-hmm. I, I, it wasn't anything I'd ever questioned so much, even though I would, I did think at the time, I'm like, why are drugs illegal? Why is, you know, pot, especially bad, you know, that I had these questions, but I didn't know how to, how to name them. And so that was like a big conflict, I think is, you know, thinking about abortion from a new lens and things like that, that you just never thought twice about, like uh, just realizing, oh, things aren't as black and white as I thought this is scary. This is depressing. And so I think that's why I, I mean, I know it's, it informs a lot of what I, I kind of want to encourage is, is to get away from the black and white thinking. Cause that's what fundamentalism is. It doesn't right. allow for other perspectives or for compassion even. Right. So, yeah. um, I think that's what I was dealing with is I was kind of growing feelings for the first time. <laughs> and, <laughs> so it was great. I mean, it was horrible and it was great. Like it had to happen in order for me to be able to feel anything I really mm-hmm. think is what was happening at the time. Yeah. I, one of the sort of popular things that I've heard, uh, to sort of describe, uh, that, that experience. And I think, um, Richard Rohr, uh, who's a popular writer right now. Um, I love him. Yeah. He, I think he, he uses the terms like construction, deconstruction and reconstruction, um, mm-hmm. which I, 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 I kind of keep coming back to in these conversations is because it, it feel I feel like it resonates with sort of how I and several people who've walked similar paths have have had to um have had to struggle and and deconstruct uh evangelicalism because it's something that that you're in a system that you don't even realize is a system. 
Um, right. But then it starts to, you start to feel the boundaries of it. Um, were there any classes or anything like that that were like a catalyst or was it just this broad? Um, and, and that's a general, that's a very general question. Yeah. But, uh, oh yeah. Was no, it like- I can't remember. Yeah. I can't remember any classes, even though you know these were public schools. I just remember friend, you know, friends are who I remember, like conversations I had with people mm-hmm. or what I remember. So. Right. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. For again, at, at, um, at a, at a Christian college, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm talking more about myself than I expected. Um, no, it's good. uh, at a Christian college, like someone like Pedro Liner and David Bazan, like he, he being very open about like his, uh, his sorts of doubts and struggles was like, was like a lifeline. <laughs> yeah. Just because, no, definitely. Just because he, um, he was able to be vocal about it in a way that, um, that was very encouraging for, you know, this teenager or 20 something, um, mm-hmm. who was not Republican and there were no, there were college Republicans, but not Democrats. And, <laughs> And, right and all that sort of stuff but for for you after after college do you keep going to church do you keep kind of like trying to to you know hammer away at these these questions or or did you just I, yeah. take a take a break or that sort of thing I no I did um I never really took a break and because and I think I've heard Pete Holmes say this is like there's this hum in me that I I was compelled towards what my version of spirituality was. Mm-hmm. And so I would go to these churches and have problems with them. But at the same time, I felt like the fact that, you know, I felt I was trying to connect to something and, yeah. and I, and that, and that's still how I, I would view it is, you know, people are just going to church to try to connect and people sure. are, you know, anything they do is just a, a, a bid for connection. So mm-hmm. now, you know, like we were saying, that was our lens at the time, yeah. but I didn't have a giant break with evangelicalism. Um, until after I was married and, um, my parents disowned me, they disowned me and my brother and my sister. There's only three of us. And we each asked them to go to therapy with us and they chose instead to, you know, say, well, goodbye rather than do that. And so that was of course, extremely traumatic. Um, and that was probably where my questioning really came to the forefront. So that, you know, that's an unusual thing. I understand now, um, that was very extreme and, you know, would make you wonder, okay, everything about this God I was taught, how these people taught me about him, what, how can I adhere to this belief system? So yeah, that was my big break with evangelicalism. Yeah, the, I can, I I can see how. So I mean, that is a complete. I'm, I'm sorry, I'm stammering because I'm still like absorbing that. Oh, um, thank you. Uh, when like when you experience something like that, I mean, that's got to be as you. I mean, there's no other word for it besides traumatic, right? And, yeah. And so you. Are are you newly married? Is this at a time in your life? Where, um, um, let's see. No, I had, we've been married almost, I want to say almost 10 years at this time. Oh, wow. Yeah. No, maybe like, let's see. My daughter was one. So let's see. What year was that? Yeah, it was almost 10 years, I think. So, um, hmm. 
So yeah. you have the you have your entire like you and your siblings have your entire familiar stru- familial structure just level. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you know though they were clued into it before I was. I was the one holding out being like, "Oh, I can't accept this." And they were stronger and braver than I was to uh they really helped me with it and it's been good to have to not have been at least I wasn't one of us wasn't the only one disowned, you know, like we were we were able to talk to each other about it and you know, there's no singling out in that arena, but you know, to have it's been a lifeline to have had two other people who have the same story. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, um, you can decline to ask, <laughs> to answer this, but, okay. but you just had a, um, you just made a general sort of, um, general sort of plea to address some, something, uh, some sort of conflict. We don't have to go mm-hmm. into it, but there was something just a general plea to agree to have a professional help with this. And they just completely didn't want yeah. to pursue. Yeah. Yeah. It was very, you know, kind of like, um, Oh yeah. <laughs> I won't go into details. Sure. Yeah. I'm not going to yeah, ask you to do plea that. And, yeah. Um, oh God, this is depressing for you, for all y'all. I, I'm okay <laughs> with it. Cause I processed it so much. Sure. Um, um I mean, I'm not okay with it, but I think it really informs the whole Christian culture thing because, you know, it forced me into therapy. It forced me to look at everything. I was spinning out spiritually and emotionally and um, dealing with, okay, if, if there's a God is, are they good? Are they real? And are they good? You know, like um, I had to make a space to ask myself is there a God and is, and are they, are they good? That Mm. was my big thing. And I think what saved me, not just, you know, my, my spirituality or whatever, what saved my life probably was being able to have a space to ask that. Mm -hmm. So that's what I kind of want to do with stuff. Christian culture likes is, is give these people a space to ask just that question. Um, because we don't realize the fundamentals we're, we're brought up in a lot of the time. We're not, we don't realize that there's another way to look at stuff. And if you experience things differently, it doesn't mean that you're wrong. Right. And that's what caused the crisis of faith. And that's why I think, think what causes a lot of emotional crises for people is, is thinking you're automatically wrong for having these different, different views and, and what they would call negative emotions about them, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of shame for, for just even questioning or being angry at the system. So, um, like Roar says, you have to deconstruct in order to reconstruct. And so I just want it to be a space where people can be angry because they haven't been able to do that ever. And I kind of, I view stuff Christian culture likes as a triage center, because I don't, I don't think people are meant to stay there forever. Mm-hmm. I think you just kind of get on there, vent, say whatever you want. I don't delete comments. I don't block anybody. I've only blocked like one person for saying that he was, you know, making like a violent, really violent physical threats. But, um, you know, you can say whatever you want about God. I will not delete it. Like that's important. You need to say what your thoughts are. And right. um, I think that that's, that's, that's what saved me is being able to just even have that space. So yeah, that's kind of where, where all that comes from for me. Right. Yeah, and I I think um I I I absolutely agree. Like having 
um, allowing yourself to be angry and honest, like anger being an, a permissible emotion. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, uh, one of the, one of the major critiques of, of evangelicalism that I am sort of loving throughout this whole, this whole deal <laughs> is that it tries to prescribe a very specific way of life. And it's mm-hmm. just not, if you fit into it, man, are you lucky? <laughs> but uh, or but, or are you? <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, you're lucky that 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 you're not going to rock the boat or whatever. Yeah. But most people run in. Yeah, it's like at the end of the Truman Show, he hits the wall. Like, yeah. but you know, gotta... the people who don't rock the boat are are terrible people. You know, <laughs> like they're they're not fun to be around. They're mean. They hurt my feelings all the time, mm-hmm. and they have no compassion. Right. <laughs> so I I kind of look for the boat rockers because they're right. who I feel safer with. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. And you um, I, I'm, I I follow you on Twitter, and you definitely, <laughs> you know, uh, you definitely get flack, and and it's from those sorts of people. It's from those sorts of people that are offended that you have something to say. <laughs> Well, you praise him, then you thank him, till you reach the by and by. And I've won hundreds at the track, but I'm not betting on the afterlife. Then you kiss his lips, he forgives you for it, he forgives you for all you've done. But not me, I'm still angry. What have I done? Why am I always missing? Yeah, and I mean, because I get that it's scary to to have your ideals questioned, and and underneath that all is why is that scary for you? <laughs> why are you afraid of that? Mm-hmm. You know, is this worth defending? Why are you having to to defend it so hard? You know, if you can't question it, is it a belief system worth worth subscribing to? Right. So. So you, you have this like major inciting instinct, um, of this, uh, this trauma that you go through, um, and it just throws you, is there any way that you felt like you sort of, um, when you were personally going through this trauma, was there anything in particular that, um, that you started to question or was it? everything all at once was, you know, like the whole biblical narrative and all the different social things that you have to try to subscribe to, to be like accepted within evangelicalism, or was it just like the whole kit and caboodle was just thrown, you know? Yeah. Luckily up to that point, I had been questioning kind of social and political stuff. I had already abandoned conservative Republicanism like completely by that point and that sort of thing and, you know I had gay friends and my parents were like how did you meet them you know that sort of thing <laughs> god are they going to hurt your marriage and you know um but at that point it when the disowning happened it was like is god real no no way is could he be real like that kind of thing is where mm-hmm. i was so right yeah the pendulum swung like richard Rohr says like it's always going to swing in one direction or the other <laughs> Yeah. And is it around this time that you start to um start the website the the website portion of Stuff Christian Culture likes and Yeah, and really... I was on a road trip with my friends who okay, this was in 08 because I remember um the election was happening and they go how come Christians likes 
like John McCain because he's he's for he's pro war. And I'm like, oh, let me tell you all about that. Like <laughs> Christian evangelical Christians, you know, hate abortion, but they love war. And and so we're on this road trip and I just got to explain all this stuff. And around that time, that book stuff, white people like had come out. Yeah. 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 I was like, oh, and then blogs were a thing. I'm like, oh, I can start <laughs> a, a blog. <laughs> what should we call it? Stuff Christian culture likes, I guess, where, you know, it just, it started as something like, oh, this is everything. I know everything that, that Christian culture likes. And then it, it wasn't anything more than just, you know, little, little stories and anecdotes about certain cultural and material things that, that evangelicals were into. And then I started the Twitter and the Facebook page and people are climbing on and there's all these huge discussions happening and then fighting and then people saying, Oh, this group saved my life. And, you know, so it kind of became a thing after that. So that was really nice to be like, Oh, all this that I went through, maybe there's something that can come of it for, for some amount of good. Yeah. And uh, I mean, it, it's a, it's really hilarious. I was reading through some of the, um, <laughs> uh some of the the posts and um i absolutely like i was looking at um like the ungame oh my gosh oh the ungame <laughs> i still love the ungame i still like always think about worry wharf and like all those things that are on yeah <laughs> and, and things that edify uh everything that has to be edified <laughs> everything's got to be edifying god um, forbid something is unedifying yeah uh, the, uh, mandatory chapel at Bible college. Uh, that was, that was too real <laughs> for me, for me in particular. I had my friend Photoshop like a turnstile in front of a chapel for that one. Yeah. Uh, one. the, um, my, I'm actually going to read part of this cause it's so good. <laughs> There's a paragraph that says the chapel services themselves start with some introdu- introductory praise and worship led by one of the three hottest guys on campus and his pained expressions. He likes to look up at the vaulted ceiling and intermittently close his eyes while singing, and every straight girl in the building prays to be the future Mrs. Sexy guitarist as a way to sublimate her lust. <laughs> Which, um, since you uh, since you mentioned you didn't go to Christian college, that is like so on the nose you wouldn't believe. <laughs> like, <laughs> like um, it's it's right on the money. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, and. Yeah, and as far as like all the different things you have to do to make up uh uh chapels chapel skips and everything, um yeah, that's also on the money. I had to we had at our school we had to listen to uh two chapel tapes. Actual oh uh, actual cassette tapes that we had to get from the library <laughs> basement and write a summary of the message. Um <laughs> it's like they don't realize that this is how you you set people up to hate the institution, you know, it's yeah. like, they don't know. They don't know, I guess it's so wrong. It's yeah. so fucking wrong. <laughs> it was, um, it, it was really bad. And senior year, I had heard that you didn't really have to go like, they, you know, what are they going to do? Put a mark on, on your transcript. Uh, but then like, so I didn't go to chapel at all senior year, but then Ooh. I had like, uh, turns out you kind of had to. Um, <laughs> so I listened to, I had 22 additional skips, so that meant 44 tapes, and I got two, somehow I found, I mean, this was early 2000s, MP3s were already a thing, Uh, but I I found, somehow found two boomboxes and listened to two tapes at a time. Oh my (laughs) god, in tandem? Yeah. Like, like, okay, because you obviously couldn't 
pay attention to both at the same time. So this was like the legalism rearing its head, right? <laughs> like it's forcing yeah. you to do something completely nonsensical, but letter of the law instead of spirit of the law. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Right? Yeah. Oh it my was, god. It was uh it was yeah, it was something. <laughs> but anyways, yeah. That's I'd, hilarious. Um yeah, you had that post, um and then oh my yeah, the Dave Ramsey one and <laughs> Uh, did you Dave ever Rams- read what happened with him? Did you read the um, Matthew Paul Turner wrote a piece on Matt, on on Dave Ramsey's anger problem? You have to Google it. It's insane. He like went insane in these meetings and in, in staff meetings and waved guns around. And oh, like, oh, I remember that now. Everyone yeah. has to listen to this. Oh, my God. Because gosh. that guy is off his rocker. But go ahead. Yeah. Oh, no, no, no. <laughs> I just remember reading. I, I do remember hearing stories. I didn't know it was Matthew Paul Turner, though. Um, uh, yeah, he's, he's definitely unstable. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, the, you had a line in there that, uh, Dave Ramsey was like, uh, like Susie Orman, but 100% less lesbianic, <laughs> which made him more. I don't know if I would say that word now, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> things that I go back and I'm like, Oh God, what else am I going to be embarrassed about 10 years down the road that I did online? But yeah, that's, 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 that's our world now though, you know? So right. I have to accept that, that, uh, present you is wiser than. <laughs> let's uh, let's than hope so. Yeah. <laughs> so, so yeah, you mentioned that th- this sort of expanded from, from the blog and then kind of moved over to Twitter. Um, and then you, <laughs> uh, you're in the Seattle area now, right? Is that yeah. where you, where yeah. you live? So you were, um, in the actual area where the whole Mars Hill phenomenon yeah. happened and, uh, yeah, I kind of had a front seat to that because when I was going through my therapy stuff around the time of my initial major trauma, I um, was meeting women who were also going to therapy and they were they were members of Mars Hill and they were in full on breakdown mode. Like they would be shaking. Um, they were and it was frightening because they had young children and mm. the stories would they all had the same story. They attended this great church, Mars Hills, great church, you know, really cool. Um, pastor's great. The music was awesome. It was, it was a great church. You know, that's like all they would say about it. And, and still the cult thing hadn't caught on, you know, no one would entertain that notion yet. But um, I, I was so concerned because they said that they met someone, they got, you know, were pressured to get married. Of course, you know, evangelicals get married young. Mm-hmm. Like me, right? Um, so they got married. Then they, the women were all pressured to quit their jobs and have kids. Just they're supposed to breed, and so they did that. And they had a lot of them had degrees, and you know they they weren't coping well with not working. Yeah. And you know maybe they weren't supposed to be mothers yet or at all, but this was the pressure, and so they were you know experiencing you know suicidal ideation, all oh kinds of. Yeah, you know, it's intense. And and this is the treatment that they were getting from Mars Hill. They were told you cannot go to any outside counseling that isn't under Mars Hill's specifications. You know, are they're lay pastors, right? Crappy, unqualified, I'm sure. And even if they are qualified, there's all kinds of Christian counseling out there that's bad. There's some that's good, but come on, you know, there's a lot that's, <laughs> that's like, don't question anything. Um, so they were only allowed to have the specific Mars Hill counselors. Uh, and they were told to pray harder and submit more to their husbands. And so I saw this just tearing at these families. 
it was, and you know, the kids, I just felt so sorry for the kids to watch their moms in, in meltdown mode like that. Like, what mm-hmm. does that do to you? What does that do to the woman? What is that? And the husband is supposed to be like, well, I'm the backbone of this and she's acting crazy. So, I mean, the misogyny was, was unreal. And that's when I first started really waking up to it. And, um, so on my commute, I just, I, I started listening to these Mark, Mark Driscoll sermons and being like, fuck this guy. And, you know, it just, I couldn't believe that people were putting up with it, but, and yet I had compassion for it. Cause I'm like, well, I, I don't know if I would have been able to see if I hadn't had this distance from it, you know? So I started the fake Driscoll Twitter just on my commute to and from work. And just because <laughs> I kind of, I felt like I got to know his voice kind of well. So I just tweet <laughs> things that I figured he'd say like, like, Tomorrow's Grace's weigh-in would really appreciate your prayers. You know, I've had her hitting the <laughs> treadmill pretty hard, so I will be pretty happy with the number on the scale. But would appreciate your prayers, guys. You know, like and people are like, "Oh my God, I can't believe that he didn't say that," because that sounds like something he would say. You know? <laughs> so that was kind of a fun way to get it out of my system. But um, the, immediately, Marcel was really mad. Like they had their attorney send some kind of email full of, you know, legal terms and, and telling me, this is basically what it said. You're allowed to have this Twitter account, but you have to be completely clear that this is not Mark Driscoll or affiliated with us. And I'm like, all right, that's my Twitter bio now. <laughs> so it's still my Twitter bio. Go right, look at it. But that, yeah, that's, that was really scary to see that, you know, it's like people that, you know, they're suffering under the system. And it's like, how do you, how do you get cult members out of a cult? I don't know if you're watching the Leah Remini Scientology thing on A&E, but it's just completely a parallel. To, oh my gosh. Yeah. To uh, we, oh. uh, yeah. I mean, I'm, we're in the Chicago area. So my, mm-hmm. my wife and I, we also got married young. <laughs> Didn't mm-hmm. mention that earlier, but, um, but uh, I figured <laughs> <laughs> safe assumption. <laughs> um, yeah, we. I mean, it became a, it it became a national story. This this mm. uh, all all these things happening at, at Mars Hill. Um, and it was, it even if you sort of followed, even if you only read something like Christianity Today, like it was being covered a lot, mm-hmm. but it wasn't being covered until like shit hit the fan, really, mm-hmm. which was later, and which was from, uh, really from the plagiarism scandal. And, um, yeah, uh, that was, that was freaking hilarious. All that <laughs> plagiarism stuff and, and him, him buying funds. up all his books, yeah. like L. Ron Hubbard, you know, like, <laughs> like I'm going to buy these all with the tithes in order to, you know, get on the bestseller list for God's glory, you know, not my own, but, uh. yeah, but this was the sorts of things you were experiencing were were even years earlier. So the, I mean, how mm-hmm. how long was um how long was Mars Hill sort of uh, present or active in the Seattle area? Let's okay. When we first moved here in '99, it was one of the churches that you heard about immediately. Like, there's this cool new church. It's really cool. It's great. You got to go see it. The pastor's awesome. And, and it met in a the, it met in a venue, you know, and it was so impressed with itself that I was like, eh, like kind of right off the back. It reminded me, it reminded me of youth group, like the West coast flavor youth group. But, um, yeah, <laughs> but I, I did go to one whole entire sermon in in like about 2000 or something. And 
I, and Mark talked for about an hour and all I remember is him talking, like trying to make himself look really cool. He's like, yeah, you know, I like a good wine. Like he talked about wine for a while and, and I'm just like, Oh, you know, this, it was so bougie, but everyone was just enraptured <laughs> and clapping and laughing like he was the best thing. And then he said, the wife needs to have sex with the lights on if that's what the husband wants. And I'm kind of looking around going, oh, my God, how many sexual abuse survivors are in the audience right now, just statistically speaking? And how much shame and and damage is that going to reenact on them right now just hearing that like being guilted into something so that's when my ears first pricked up but Mm. you know people weren't having it like my friends who still went there you know were very defensive of it and that's a great church and you shouldn't have a problem with him so so it was as early as about 98 or 99 i think it started so it had been there over like 10 years by the time yeah yeah it flared up and died out um but these these women were just they were experiencing it from really from the top down right i mean this was mm-hmm. sort of the this was the way it was structured there was a heavy um complementarianism is the yeah you know, the, the night <laughs> i think it sounds so the, nice to say complementarianism like they, as if they complement each other as if there isn't like an indentured servitude element going on so yeah i mean yeah. these women are all like yeah this is what i'm supposed to do this is god's role for me i'm gonna stay home and have these babies and he'll earn the money and i'll obey him and mm-hmm. that's just how they all were i knew so many of them so yeah yeah we were ousted from a community church for being egalitarian so tell me about that real quick if you want to oh sure yeah um so we um um my my wife and i like we we come from these traditions that are actually egalitarian so mm-hmm. um like i grew up you know i met this uh and you know i met this has, has for a long time ordained women the first yeah. pastor i remember was a woman oh um, nice so i don't have any sort of gender association with it. Uh, the Wesleyan church also, um, which is my wife's background is the college we went to. Yeah, I mean, um, that's Methodist, right? Yeah. It's like, a, okay. it's a, so I uh, go into church history corner for a second. They split, um, what became the United Methodist and what became the Wesleyan split over, um, slavery in the 19th century. The Wesleyans okay. were on the right side of history. Um, right. so they were abolitionists. Um, but then over time, the Wesleyans became more socially conservative. Um, okay. so they, they definitely like espouse egalitarianism, but it's not really a, um, it, it's just not generally practiced. There's more, m- many, many, many more male pastors than female in that mm-hmm. particular denomination. So mm-hmm. fast forward, like, I don't know, um, uh, like 2009, we start attending, uh, like, a a storefront church that our friends go to. Um, and what do you mean by storefront? Like Real quick. literally, uh, like in a, in a city meets in a storefront. <laughs> oh, uh, okay. So, yeah. Really tiny. Like, like a, like a, 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 Te- cra- a drug ring, <laughs> <laughs> like a crack front operation. <laughs> Technically it was a community center, but it's on either side was like, uh, it was, it was a storefront size. It was not, okay. you know, it was not like, like on one side it was a pizzeria and on another one was like. Uh, I don't know some other store that probably became two or three things over over time. Um, anyways, we we go we get we're very involved. It's a sm- very small church, less than a hundred people. Mm-hmm. Um, there's like a pastoral sort of change, and then our friends. Um, so there was a pastor that uh, was like moody, Bible educated. Um, so it was already conservative, very close to fundamentalist. Anyways, 
um, mm-hmm. and then had no actual oversight. Uh, the elders just, uh, yeah, there was no denominational oversight, anything like that. The pastor that was Moody Bible educated um, left because he had like a, a family. His dad almost died. And then like mm-hmm. um, that just sort of changed his perspective on things. So he just mm-hmm. had a new phase in life. Mm-hmm. And our friends, um, our, our friends, like close friends, one of them became the lead pastor and he had never been to seminary. He had never been a pastor. Oh, no. Um, and then like <laughs> we tell them in private, like we were on the worship team. We were, you know, we, yeah. we were heavily involved. Um, yeah. And we, we tell them, look, we're egalitarian and we have a daughter. So it was like, we're not going to teach our daughter that she's any less than anyone else. And you're just, I'm not going to have that shit. Like, <laughs> like we both, we both had that wow. um, perspective. Um, my wife and I, and then we tell them in private, they say essentially, okay, well, you can leave. Uh, we, uh, we're not going to force you. We're not going to like fight for you to stay. Um, wow. Then like two older, <laughs> they're our age. And then like two older couples kind of step in, say, um, let's meet once a month for a year um, hmm. and like just have a longer conversation. Please stay. Like, and that wow. was why we, that was why we stayed. We stayed. That sounds nice. Yeah. Did that feel nice or am I hearing that right? (laughs) No, it felt great. It was like, and that was why we loved the place. Even though we disagreed theologically, like the people there were amazing. And it was. uh, They wanted to hear you is what it sounds like. So one of them, you know, was uh, these, these two older couples like were set up to mediate essentially. So Mm -hmm. we meet uh, and this is at the very beginning of the year. So we meet in January. We mm-hmm. have a kind of heated discussion. Um, they drag their feet, and we don't meet in February. The other couple, um, mm-hmm. and then in March, like um, as we're walking in, the husband, um, as we're walking in to one of these like other couples' homes to to talk about this, it feels like he's about like. <laughs> It feels like he's about to like break up with someone, you know, like, wow. you know, when like someone's, someone's like sort of dragging their feet or they're like, yeah. uh, you know, acting all sullen, you can feel it in his body. And then he basically just is like, I'm not going to have this conversation. I feel persecuted. It's like, dude, you're, you're like, <laughs> you're the one you, in charge. White male past, straight white pastors who are male are the most most like reluctant to do that sort of thing would you agree uh, I've, I've just never encountered anything quite like that they're like i'm being persecuted right now when you're just trying to have a conversation right yeah no i mean it wasn't like <laughs> it wasn't like any anything i mean it was us you know <laughs> it was us disagreeing about paul's pastoral letters you know it's like right. come on and like, he's like i'm being personally persecuted and i'm not <laughs> going to have this Right. Am I like, right? Is that yeah, what you're Yeah, essentially. Uh, and so it was, and it was really hard. And then like, uh, you know, it was a very, um, it was very, it was, it was hard because eventually some fallout from that, like we lost a significant part of our support network in our neighborhood, like in, oh, God. um, so it was, it was, it was definitely like, um, it was traumatic for sure. I don't, oh. I don't want to. I I I don't really even know how to sort of talk through it or like describe or like ascribe a word to it. Um, but but anyways, it was over egalitarianism. It was like yeah. you're not yeah. yeah you're 
who are you to to say uh, my daughter or any other woman is is like inherently less than than you <laughs> so like yeah just yeah. back off like you're not going to say that and you're not going to ascribe that to god like that's n- no <laughs> you can't do that um so any anyways uh sorry to <laughs> that's great I get, no i'm, I'm yeah. so glad to hear that there are people like you that will say take a stand especially for your children you know it and it co- a lot of people won't do that because it costs them socially you know, that's so painful to face the realization that these people will abandon you over that issue, over the issue of equality. Like that is, there's nothing more painful than that. Right. There really isn't. No. And so yeah. the fact that you did that, you just gave your daughter and each other just massive gift, even though it, it hurts a lot Yeah, because you faced reality and that's really good. Yeah. And I mean, I, and it was definitely a a joint effort with, with, um, my wife and I. So <laughs> like, it was definitely like, um, I don't, I don't want to, uh, she's, she's not on mic. So I'm like, I'm going to have to speak with her. Speak Are you for mansplaining her right for her? I'm just kidding. I'm totally kidding. Yeah. So anyway, I, I can tell you're not a mansplaining. Really, so. Um, so, so yeah, that, um, that, that sort of, uh, uh, environment, um, it it happens on scales like very like this is very small it's not you know it's not mars hill it doesn't have like the organizational um heft mm-hmm. as something like it mars hill but these mm-hmm. mars hill is like seen as the sh- the beacon for pl- for smaller places like this and yeah. so it's you know it's there someone like mark driscoll he's got all this like success he's got a huge church what's he doing you know what's um and so that sort of uh you know toxic version of things is it spreads <laughs> like oh yeah it, it spreads and it's uh you know it sure does uh, uh yeah um and that's why uh efforts like st- stuff christian culture likes is is essential for people that are sort of on the other side of that because i yeah. i do think that there is like everybody is sort of uh on a in a different place in their in their journey and like if they if they do find a way outside the subculture then it's you know there's there's got to be a place of transition like you said like a triage place um and that's that's essential to to process and i think like what you what you do in the group and what you do you, like on twitter too like i um like all those things are are like useful and uh, and also hilarious like i i I love your sense of humor i love the way you like on sundays will will like take on people like through uh or like highlight people that are talking about rock and worship and like retweet them or uh, on fridays talk about date night with my hot wife oh god i just like like they don't, it's just such a cultural thing. It's like, they, they're like, what's wrong with that? You know, what is wrong with this? And I guess the rock and worship, there's nothing like really wrong with it. It's just so, it's just so cheesy. But the thing with the date night is that's, you know, the the thing about the hot wife and also the daddy daughter dates, dear God, don't get me started. Like it's called parenting. Don't use the word date with that. But, and you, you know, they don't see how they're sexualizing their daughters. They They right. really don't. So all I do is like try to just retweet that stuff and like, yeah, um, why do you have to qualify your wife as hot? Why do you have to put a picture of her? Why don't, you know, I, if I search 
date night hot wife, there are hundreds of tweets about that, but there's no like, like sensitive, caring, smart, brilliant, funny wife. Like there's nothing that has anything to do with her character. Mm-hmm. It's a total thing. So I, I mean, I'm sure my point is lost on a lot of people and I know they think I'm a giant bitch, most of them, but that's another interesting thing is if I use a male pseudonym, which I've done as an experiment, it's like they do a 180. Like I'm heard. They're like, oh, good point, man. Okay. I see what you mean, bro. Can you All give right, a specific yeah. example of that? Cause I think that's really interesting. Um, okay. Here's my thing with my, and I, I feel bad that I, I don't give anyone any idea about what my pseudonym's name is, but, but I really think it would be an experiment. Sure. Yeah, no. Yeah, absolutely. It's I get that. It's also more to like get other people. If I talk about it, other people will be like, well, I want to try that for myself. Cause I don't think it's, it's not, it's so powerful to see it happen for yourself, you know, like, like tweet what you would as your own self and then tweet it under the, uh, another gender's, you know, the guys of another gender. And you will just, it's, it's insane how differently they react to you or in, or in any conversations on comment threads. It's, you know, every time, you know, I'll say something as myself and they're like, yeah, yeah, you're on your soapbox again. Oh yeah. Whatever. You know, blah, blah, blah. There's Stephanie. But then if I say it as a dude that they do not argue with me, they're like, that's interesting. Tell me more about that. Okay, bro. Okay, man. It's (laughs) so interesting. And I mean, I say interesting. fucking depressing it's the worst i mean i don't i hate that i'm raising a daughter in this world so i have to i have to make it better for her in in some way but you know i would just to use the christianese i would really challenge you guys to make (laughs) a count of another name (laughs) (laughs) but i get it like with the because I, I, I don't feel like I'm completely outside the church now. Um, I have let, we, we made big breaks with two churches we were really involved in here um, a few years ago and maybe about seven years. Um, a church that we, you know, had been at for a really long time. They fired the worship pastor just because they had a, a vision plan change. And they put him and his family, you know, on the street. Like, they're like, it was seriously like F you guys. And it was insane. This was a Presbyterian church, like a PCA church. And, and I sat in front of the board of elders like four or five times. And I'm just like this weeping woman going like, how can you do this to this family? And they're just these, you know, eight or nine, you know, dudes cause it's PCA. Right. And they like just flat expressions like Stephanie, your intuition is wrong. And you know, they, they told me that they said that to my face. And that's when I first was like, holy shit, the sexism thing people talk about is real. And, you know, my husband was there and, you know, would, would reiterate what I had said. And they looked to him with interest, like, oh, okay. I see what you're saying, David. When, and I'm like, I was just saying that just now. And they're like, yeah, but you know, you're hysterical and you're crying is kind of the, the sense that the vibe I was getting for sure. So we found another really small church that we were really into. And it had all the progress, you know, identified as progressive, you know, women on staff and all that. I was really into it. But there was kind of this this underlying thing where I just didn't feel quite right with the pastor. I felt like he was intimidated by me in a way. And, um, you know, and women in general, not just me, but, you know, strong women or kind of he just, you know, there's like a cagey element and the way that the other women kind of bowed to him that were like, oh, that's OK if he wants to do do it that way. I'm like, I just wasn't really okay with that. And then one, and I remember I kind of set an intention and I asked 
to, for it to be revealed to me if there's any, anything that I needed to be woken up to. And the next Sunday he in, in church, he said something that just was so sexist. It read as so sexist to me that I, I, you know, raised my hand, like, can you say what you meant by that? And I felt completely stiff armed and, you know, he, he wasn't going to talk about it, you know? And I just left. I like had to leave. I felt sick and I haven't been back in that building. And it was, you know, it was a big deal. I was teaching Sunday school. I was, we were super involved. And, and so just talk about the community kind of dropping out from under you. Yeah. But I realized I can't raise my kids in a church where the pastor is afraid of their mother because she won't be any less than every, you know, I, I, cause I wouldn't, I wouldn't make myself smaller for him. I, I was going to be a whole person. Right. And I, I'm just like, this is the culture as much as they want to be progressive. It, they're not there yet or I'm not, I don't feel they're there yet. So that was just another kind of stand that was traumatic too. So I just, I just don't know if I can be part of a church again ever. Mm-hmm. Although I'm, I, I'm not an atheist. Um, that's where I am right now is, is just all the trauma around it. I, I just don't know how people can, can let themselves <laughs> do that. And it's, it's true. I, I, and yeah, it's, it's just, um, again, like just, just thinking through your story, thinking through other stories I've heard, like, it, it makes me like pause <laughs> sort of mm-hmm. because it's, it like the sort of purpose of, of churches to, is to like provide people with comfort in a, in a lot of ways. I mean, sure. Mm-hmm. You can like, you can challenge them. You can challenge them to, you know, um, to live out life like Christ you can but I mean it don't what it should come down to is you know it showing God's love to people period mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and like and stories like that it becomes about power it becomes about authority it becomes about will and control and when all those things enter into the picture and everything gets all screwed up um yeah, yeah. Uh, so you said that you're you're not really um, you're not really atheist. You're um, I, you're not really at that point. Um, you had mentioned that that like um, you mentioned that, that you're familiar with Richard Rohr, um, mm-hmm. and like you know you also mentioned Pete Holmes, who I'm a big fan of. I love his podcast um, mm-hmm. just because he uh, you know he gets people to sort of talk honestly about where they are, and that's um, to me that's the most important thing for anyone that listens to this show that is somewhere um somewhere in wherever they are in their experience with dealing with big questions uh, i think honesty is always the best sort of policy um because mm-hmm. i mean you as a person know know where you are like you can intuit like where you are and if you're trying to fit into something that doesn't fit you then it that creates an extra sort of pain or trauma. And so yeah. um any any idea that I have of God right now is that um that God is a God can handle it. God can handle, mm-hmm. you know, whatever whatever that word refers to. It can it can manage a, a human being honest with themselves. <laughs> um yeah. so for you, what what's what's that I mean, you're not and you're not like really ready or willing or able to um to go to, to a church building but you're still sort of you've got this hum in you you mentioned uh, how's that yeah. sort of 
How's that, how's that for you right now? What's, what, what's that mean for you? Um, what's interesting is I go to, I go to Catholic churches all the time, like pretty much every day. I, I'm like, I'm really drawn to the tabernacle and where they have, they keep the host in there. And I don't think I could ever convert to Catholicism because of their stance on women and gays, but there is something about that tabernacle. So I'll, I'll go almost every day. It's like, it's, I'm just drawn to it and I feel better when I'm near it. So, um, I can't rule out any, you know, mystical stuff for myself. I've, you know, I've had things happen that I can't describe and they, they aren't rational. So, Mm -hmm. uh, it, it definitely falls outside the dualistic categories, I guess, where at the same time I will defend so hard anyone's right to be an atheist because all that is 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 their experience they they're acting out their experience i have to act out of my experience and if if everyone did that with respect then there wouldn't be any of this clash if you could just make some space for that's how it is for them it you know it wouldn't it also wouldn't allow for abuse when i say that a lot of people say oh that means you could abuse someone else someone and it would be okay like no because what you're doing is you're respecting their experience there's no abuse in that at all you're you're just allowing the coexistence so Mm -hmm. um yeah that's that's another thing people will ask me a lot are you a christian and i i hate that quite i hate it i hate answering it um (laughs) i hate trying to answer it because i feel like they want to put me in a box but Mm -hmm. i i would say I would say, why do you want to know that? You know, why do you want to know if I am? And also my baggage with Christianity is, is that the, the kind of reputation it has is it thinks it's better than everything else. It thinks it's the answer. And I could never say that it is right over Judaism or Hinduism or Buddhism, like all that stuff. I think it all goes back to the same, same place, which clinically probably makes me a heretic, but <laughs> I, you know, I, whatever that's, all all that matters is that people are acting out of their own experience and they aren't shamed for it. Sure. So. Yeah. Yeah. And a lot of religion is just geography too. It just happens to be totally. where, where, well, and, where and Roar says, if I grew up in Israel, I would be a Jew. If I grew up in India, I'd be a Hindu. Definitely. Yeah. So yeah. 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 Um, yeah. I think there's a, um, yeah, I, I totally, I'm, I'm just, I'm in, um, what's the phrase I've heard? Like in like rousing agreement with you, (laughs) like, uh, you know, uh, people are living out their experience and it's, um, and the thing that people benefit from the most is hearing other people's experience and being Mm -hmm. not invalidating someone else's experience, um, is like crucial to be able to learn from another person. Um, and uh, yeah, and there's a lot of reasons why. There's a lot of very valid reasons to, um, to sort of chafe against the term Christian, <laughs> and yeah. certainly evangelical, um, especially with the election outcome. I mean, a lot of people are thrown into, uh, you know, crises of faith because of uh, the politicization of their religion, um, and like. Uh, the war in Iraq did that for me. Um, mm. You know, it was, that was the crisis. That was one of the elements of, you know, crisis was. Really? Yeah. It was like, at the same time, like, I didn't believe it was a just war. So, like, why are all these Christians being Republican and supporting it? Um, but yep. at, Well, at the same time, saying abortion is wrong. Right. 
but at, but you know um but that is just that was just part of where i was in history and like my experience and um it's hard to say uh that that that's invalid or that someone else that's in evangelicalism right now like if they're not denouncing someone else it's hard to say that that's not valid either mm-hmm. um, yeah, we were we weren't taught that there could be space for both at right. all because mm-hmm. dissent was a big threat. Yeah, and it shouldn't be. <laughs> dissent right. is healthy. Dissent is smart. Dissent is scientific. Dissent is emotionally whole. So, mm-hmm. and that's why that's why places like that that you're doing with with the, is it on? It's a Facebook group, correct? So it's mm-hmm. there that that people can come and just be open yeah and just yeah i post stuff like you know scandals i have youth pastor watch where there's all these youth pastors getting arrested for doing horrible things (laughs) there's you know it's kind of like holding up this stuff and being okay we can safely criticize this stuff here what does this say about the culture what does this say about spirituality so Mm -hmm. yeah i'm glad that you're that you're at a place where you can uh, just even just getting to know you a little bit through this conversation, I'm glad you're at a place where you can, where you you feel like you've given yourself space, and I I applaud you for 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 doing your part in creating that space for other people, because I think that that um, is absolutely, I feel like it's absolutely essential, and um, and yeah, I just absolutely just applaud you for doing that because there are many, many people out there that um, just like those, those women that were, that were being abused in that system. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, and they, they need spaces like that. Um, mm-hmm. So where, where can people find, find you? Uh, where can they find the different, the different things that you're up to online or elsewhere? Oh, um, it's basically the, the Facebook page, the address, the Facebook address is at Stuff Christian Culture Likes. I haven't written anything in the blog for like three years, but that's all still there <laughs> for better or worse. Yeah, um, and it's uh, it's evergreen content to use a marketing term because... <laughs> oh, what does the, that mean? I don't even know what that means. Uh, it's just, uh, sorry, I'm, <laughs> that's my day job. But no, uh, it, just means that, it just means that it, it's something that can be used all the time. So, oh, nice. because okay, it's always right. relevant and so oh, honestly evangel- <laughs> uh, evangelicalism doesn't change that much <laughs> so you know what so, you're right <laughs> uh, so yeah that stuff about um dave ramsey and scheduling sex and the ungame and <laughs> all those oh, things God. are still true <laughs> uh, uh. <laughs> makes me feel like i'm covered in itching powder you know like, <laughs> think about that um but my i'm probably on twitter kind of as much as facebook so that's at stuff cc likes and that's kind of all i've got going on on that front so um well thank you stephanie so much for for coming on i of course um, i'm really happy that uh that we'll get to um share share this and and to use a little bit of christianese to encourage to encourage some other people i just want to encourage you now to <laughs> thanks again I really appreciate it of course reach out touch space